Hi, I'm Ashley Cooley, a birth baby and sleep specialist and mom of three. There's so much information out there, right? This show is dedicated to helping you clear out the noise so you can figure out what will work best for your baby and your family. If you're looking to learn more about your baby, gain more confidence in your parenting, and get as much sleep as you can through it all, you've come to the right place. Bringing up baby is about to get a little easier. everybody, Ashley Cooley here. Welcome back to the show. Today we're talking about my middle child, Frankie, and her birth story. I do have a bit of a cold, so I hope you enjoy the slightly raspy voice here. But uh, Frankie's birth was uh, pretty eventful. There's quite a few things that stick out in my mind that I still share to this day, especially in my prenatal classes, just to help explain some things and answer questions that people have. So it's kind of nice to actually be able to look back on that experience now and share that. And I'm going to share it with you. So uh, there, there may be a few extra little more graphic details in this story. Um, nothing too, nothing too scary, but definitely interesting, we'll say. Okay, so here it is. Uh, let's take us back to 2015, the year that we had so many snowstorms. We were getting two in a week, almost for a couple of weeks. We had the layer of ice underneath all the extra snow that was coming down. Do you guys remember this? It was a very tumultuous winter and I was expecting a baby. I can remember one of my very last appointments with my doctor having to drive there after a snowstorm, trying to get up a hill, driving behind somebody who didn't have proper tires on, and me thinking, oh my gosh, am I going to get to my doctor's office? Am I going to labor in a snowbank like you hear about? What is this going to, what's going to happen? So if I take you back to the day I started having contractions, I remember it being a Thursday, we were expecting the second storm of that week, And it was the morning, I remember it being around 11.30 in the morning, my husband's home from work, my toddler, my almost two-year-old is home with us, he's shoveling the driveway so that we can get out and, and clear it as much as possible before even more snow comes, and I'm starting some mild contractions in the living room and thinking, oh please God let us get to the hospital before the storm or after. I do not want it to be during the storm. And thankfully, it wasn't. It was not before, though. I must have been experiencing some Braxton Hicks contractions uh, because things did take a pause later in the day. I was able to get a little bit of sleep that, that night, which was great. And then the following day after the storm, Friday, we're in full blown labor. So I'm at home with my husband, with our almost two-year-old toddler, and I'm, I'm in early throes of labor. I call my doctor, and I'm calling her for two reasons. One, because I'm pretty sure I'm in labor, and two, because I have pink eye, and I'm wondering if I can take the same medicine that I gave my daughter previously, who had it earlier in the week. So a lovely day to wake up with pink eye, and after a snowstorm, and my husband shoveling us out, and I'm thinking, when are we going to get to the hospital? <laughs> so it was a pretty pretty eventful morning, but I was handling my labor okay. I was a little bit nervous because, you know, for second labor, you often hear about things moving a little bit more quickly than before. 
So I was just being aware of that. And we decided to, like the first time, I was able to go to my doctor's office to have an internal exam that I was open to and to see if I was really in labor and when it might be time to go to the hospital. So we packed up the car. We packed up our toddler. She was going to stay overnight at, at our in, my in-laws. And because it was taking us so long, I had until a particular time to get to my doctor's office before she was going to be gone for the day. So we left with enough time, but because of the sheet of ice that was everywhere and having just been through a snowstorm, traffic was insane. We're all just trying to get there safely and we're coming from Dartmouth over to Halifax. If you're not from here, it's just, you know, we got to cross a bridge. Anyway, um, it looked like I wasn't going to make it to my doctor's office to be able to see her, but I did. So instead of dropping my daughter off at my in-laws first, my husband dropped me off at my doctor's office first or allowed me to go in and get checked there first. So they're sitting in the car waiting. I'm in the doctor's office. She does an internal exam, looks at me with huge eyes and says, you are six centimeters. You got to go now. You have to go to the hospital now. So I was like, okay, great. Well, we'll bring our toddler to the in-laws. And she said, no, you're going to go now. So my we got in the car. I My husband dropped me off at the hospital, turned around to go bring our daughter to his parents So while I'm at the hospital going through early labor and assessment unit and doing all that rigmarole to get up to labor and delivery, I had several nurses, several very lovely concerned nurses wondering if there was anybody going to be with me for my labor and delivery. And luckily it was our second child. And I was just saying, oh, yes, yes, he'll be here. He just had to drop our daughter off. So I did spend some time there alone, but I was okay. And we get up to labor and delivery. And we get into the room and much like the first time, because I, again, still didn't know very much about labor and delivery, what I could be doing to help progress my labor, stay comfortable. I put on the Johnny shirts and I laid in bed and waited and I waited for labor to hit me like it did last time. And for some reason, am I thinking, is it going to be different this time? I don't know. Uh, But I didn't do anything different. I didn't know anything I could do different. So I was just laying in bed, contractions hitting me like a wave. The thing that was always interesting to me with all of my labors is that um, the water wouldn't break on its own. My amniotic sac, the rupture of the membrane. So this week came a second time. For those of you who listened to my firstborn daughter's birth story, this happened then as well that we were looking at trying to speed things up because I was hanging out at six centimeters dilated for quite some time, maybe um, a couple of hours or so. And even though I'm contracting and all those things are happening, I wasn't really progressing. So that was when the nurse, the team people said, well, let's, let's artificially rupture the membranes with the amni hook, painless procedure. I had it done before. Um, The concern was, though, in doing it at that moment, that baby's head, so Frankie, still on the inside, her head was still up kind of high. So there was some space between the bottom of the amniotic sac, some fluid there, and baby's head still being up a little too high. So what they decided to do, and these are, this is information I certainly wish I knew more about at the time, was... um, when they did artificially rupture the membranes, they said they were going to do a control break, a controlled break. 
basically meaning they were going to artificially rupture the membranes, which they did. They used this amni hook. They puncture a hole in the amniotic sac to allow the amniotic fluid to come out so that the baby can get lower, put pressure on the cervix, and we get more labor happening. Um, but because there was that space in between you know, her head and the bottom and, and where the fluid was, they were doing a controlled break where they would break the water, they plugged it. So when I say they, there was one particular individual, uh, a health professional that had her hand plugging the amniotic sac, the hole that she just made so that too much water didn't come out all at once. Because if that fluid would come out all at once, there was a possibility of the baby's cord, the umbilical cord to come down and reach the bottom uh, and get near the cervix before the baby does. And that would be a situation that we don't want to be in. So this controlled break. So for I, I can't remember exactly how long. It it could have been almost an hour, perhaps, maybe a little less. But every once in a while, this person kind of letting the hand go, allowing some fluid to come out, plugging it again, so doing it slowly so that the baby would have a chance to get down before the umbilical cord. Anyway, I hope I explained that properly, but just to say that it was really uncomfortable. It was really uncomfortable to just kind of lay in the bed have somebody there with their hand and fingers where they are and going through that process over a small period of time. So I'm laying in bed doing all that, having contractions while it's happening. So interesting to say the least. Luckily, the umbilical cord did not come down before baby's head did. That that worked and I was now in full-blown labor, I would call it, where I was really feeling those contractions were getting into this active labor. And I apparently got into transition really quickly as well. But all to say that it was shortly after that time where I said, check please, I'm ready for that epidural. I can't handle this because once again, those contractions were just hitting me like a wave and I wasn't handling them very well at all. So it took an hour, much like the first time, from the time I requested the epidural to the anesthesiologist coming into the room and administering that. So during that time, I'm just feeling panicked and, you know, getting the, getting some gas, the nitrous oxide gas to try to help take the edge off, uh, but not moving around, not doing the things that I wish I'd known I could do. But anyway, all that to be said, the anesthesiologist finally comes into the room we're so excited about that. I get into the position to have to have this epidural be administered, which I'd had before. And man, those contractions were on top of each other. It felt like it was just one big long contraction the entire time. Looking back now, I realize and know that I was in transition. I was at the very end of that first stage of labor where the cervix is dilating those last couple of centimeters or last centimeter or so it's thinning it's getting ready it was so close to the end and I was having those incredibly strong and helpful contractions in transition while getting an epidural and looking back on that now and knowing where I was at and I didn't know at the time but looking back on that now it's it's it was incredibly incredibly challenging to sit still in those moments to have that epidural administered but I did and it got administered 
and I got that loading dose. But I am not kidding you when I say that as soon as the needle is out, the catheter is taped to my back, my nurse is looking at me like, you seem like you want to push. And I'm thinking, I think I do. And so we just, I turn around a little bit in the bed, we start pushing and things are happening right away. So that's when I say like, that is, that's a late epidural, my friends. Um, It's not usually what they try to do or aim to do at the hospital here. It kind of just happened. We didn't realize how quickly I would go from six centimeters to 10 uh, and it just kind of caught us all off guard. And it was extremely challenging. One of the most challenging things I've done in all of my labors was to sit still to have that epidural when I was in that phase of labor in in transition. It was incredibly challenging. So now we're into pushing. As soon as the anesthesiologist has kind of pushed aside a little bit and is done doing his job and he's packing his stuff up, I'm now pushing and because I'm pushing, my doctor is now in the room and she does an internal exam. And then the next thing I hear is breach. She yells out that the baby is breach, bum down. And now a bunch of people come rushing into the room. And I'm just thinking like, huh, what, who's, how, who's in here? What's going on? Cause my eyes are closed. I'm trying to focus. My partner's saying, trying to get me to focus Um, And then with the next push and, you know, there's so many people in the room and they're talking and and all that stuff. So I'm trying to concentrate and get the pushes out. And I'm also saying, is everything okay? Is everything all right? And everyone's assuring me, yes, just like focus, do your job, right? Get that baby out. So with that next push and with the next uh, check that my, my doctor does, she quickly realizes, no, no, that's not actually a bum that she was feeling. The baby is not breech. Those were indeed her lips. So my baby was coming out in a particular position that not only was it sunny side up, so her head and her body was facing my front coming out. Usually they're facing your back, um, but she was the other way around. Not only was she sunny side up, but her head was tilted back backwards so that well they call it a face presentation don't google it okay please (laughs) don't google it uh but it's called a face presentation this is how she was born everybody who was in the room thinking it was a breech baby stayed in the room because they had never seen anything like this before usually for a face face presentation you would need a C-section. It can be really challenging to have a baby in that situation for both mom and baby. Um, And I was really nervous, but it was my doctor was still encouraging me to keep going, keep pushing. And I believe, and I think we all kind of came to this conclusion after the reason I was able to have her vaginally in that position was because she was my second born and she was two pounds lighter than my firstborn. So she was quite a bit smaller, thankfully, so that it was a bit easier for her to get out in that fashion. Otherwise, that would probably be an emergency C-section. So we now know that there's lips coming out first rather than a butt. 
it's it's a little bit scary, but I'm in the throes of pushing and everyone just saying, you know, go and you got this and push and get that baby out. So I do. And it luckily didn't take two and a half hours of pushing like it did with my first. It only took a couple of minutes, a couple of pushes. The anesthesiologist still in the room packing up, guys. That's how quickly this was all going down. And then she's born. And they cut the cord right away. They bring her over to um, the warmer and give her a quick once over. And thank goodness, everything was fine. They bring her right over to me to do skin to skin right after that. And she was quite bruised. She was bruised. She was swollen uh, because her face was presenting. And so anytime there was an internal exam or somebody checking the cervix or to see what position the baby was in, they were poking at her face or her ear or her eyes or something and not knowing what it was. And so there were there was quite a bit of bruising. And all that really meant for us was we actually didn't give her the name that we thought we were going to give her. We had a name picked out. We knew it was a girl. We had a name picked out for her. And as soon as we took a look at her, I knew immediately that that wasn't going to be her name and that she needed this other name. And it all was kind of down to how how that all went down. And and I mean, I can't imagine her name not being Frankie now, of course. But uh, it was... It was an incredibly eventful, somewhat scary, pretty nerve-wracking, just what's going on with the baby kind of moments. And luckily, she was a smaller baby. You don't hear that too often, but luckily she was because um, things could have been very different if she was, say, my first child or um, was, was bigger at birth and those kinds of things. But when all said and done, she came out in her own way, and we always joke to this day, she came out kissing the world. <laughs> and uh, she still, she kind of lives her life like that, actually. So it's kind of a neat story. I love that it's uh, now her story and really speaks to her as an individual. It's so cool. Anyway, thanks all for listening. I hope that was an experience for you. Uh, I'll be back another time to talk and share about Mabel's birth story, which was also very different, not including medication. Big reason because of the story I just told you. So I'll be back to share that one another time. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Looking for more? Check out birthbabysleep.ca where you'll find prenatal classes, postpartum and new baby resources and sleep support during the childhood years. You'll also find me on Facebook and Instagram at Birth Baby Sleep. It would be awesome if you followed us wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you can, leave a review or a rating, which goes a long way for helping others to find us. That's all for now. I'm Ashley Cooley, and we'll see you back here next time.